All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Fault Line Podcast. My name is Alex Davis. I'm the host. Joining me, as usual, our esteemed editor, Tommy Flanagan. Guten Tag. And, of course, my colleague, Rafi Cohen, who is very esteemed and helps me out with Rethink TV greatly. Hello, hello. Double yes. esteemed this week. Double, double esteemed. But, no, um, we were meant to be having, the, I think, the second uh, IRL fault, fault Line podcast, and uh, I, I'm feeling a bit poorly sick, so I went home. So, uh, yeah, I think it's cursed, really, the, the Fault Line podcast. We, we oh. seem, one person always seems out. But, Maybe uh, you just got IRL anxiety. That's true, yeah stage fright just had to had to leg it but no uh, it's been it's been an interesting week i think and um on the news front at least there's, there's a fairly widespread uh tommy but but yeah how how's it been from the the top the view from the top yeah it's been pretty um juicy this week actually and we had three quality interviews um this week it's hard to to pick one out of uh cinemedia zapware and intertrust but i'm going to go with the latter um mainly because uh, Ali Hodjat, uh, who I spoke to, who's uh, VP of Marketing, and was formerly the uh, product management guy at uh, Verimatrix, said that I gave him quite a hard time um, compared to other uh, interviews. Um, and he's not going to thank me <laughs> one bit for the for my choice of uh, headline here, because I've, I've chose to run on the news that Intertrust is separating into two businesses. And I say news, um, it's not really news because there hasn't been any uh, press releases, any noise on it um, at all. No news outlets have picked up on it. Um, as far as I've seen, um, even though it's been uh, kind of happening delicately in the in the background for quite a few months, and we actually came to speak about Intertrust integration of Speak version 2, which is the secure package and encoder key exchange, which is this kind of interoperability tool developed by AWS. But that um, ended up being kind of uh, pushed to the side and it's kind of frankly quite boring in comparison <laughs> I think to, to the separation news so uh, what's happened is the the famous express play DRM business has kind of effectively been carved out of the main trust group with its own website and own branding and everything like that and um, uh, the the other half is the intertrust platform which is kind of been positioned now as sort of front and center and this is where intertrust lesser known exploits uh, take place like data services and data management uh, in verticals like IoT and energy which I know absolutely nothing about although I knew I know a, a few colleagues who do so um, my alarm bells were, were kind of ringing overtime when when Ali tells me this um, because only about uh, two or three months ago Intergest sold its mobile app hardening technology business white encryption um to a firm called Zimperium nearly said Gimperium then um but the the thing is that Intertrust had been operating white encryption for quite a few years as a separate standalone business so I'm thinking and saying to to Ali what was stopping the same from happening to Express Play is spinning out a product on its own um just as inevitable precursor to divesting it um ultimately what's the point um and and well apparently the point of 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 it all is really about clearing up confusion because intertrust is evolving and as it expands beyond media and entertainment where it's earned its stripes it's found that people are arriving at the website and not really knowing what it is intertrust does anymore um uh, and that said while i was catastrophizing about the future of Express Play, which is a, a huge presence in um, 
content protection in Asia Pacific, by the way. It's um, it's probably unlikely that that's ever going to happen. It's going to part ways with it, considering that we aren't convinced that the growth areas of IoT and energy are bringing in anywhere near sufficient revenues yet compared to the media and entertainment side. Although they, um, Ali wouldn't wouldn't tell me that because obviously they're a, a private company. Um, and and that got us thinking that we're sure this happens to loads of companies that have experienced similar states of confusion when expanding from media into IoT verticals. And we kind of saw it with the acquisition of Veramatrix by Inside Secure. Um, and I chose to go with the the uh, Veramatrix branding ultimately because it's um, had a superior presence in media and entertainment. Um, um, so Ali's job now is on the Express Play side, not on the um, not on the platform IoT utilities uh, side, where he's he's going to be in charge of smoothing out the transition and making sure customers are happy and and all that malarkey malarkey simply uh, put. So I should note actually. Um, back to the the sort of reason we were on the call is that the speak stuff is quite significant as it is as a way of democratizing the way DRM systems integrate with encoders, transcoders, and origin servers and Intrust seems pretty much everyone adopting this in the future, and it's one of the earliest to do so. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on that now, but there's loads more information on speak in the story. And on a final unrelated note, I had to ask about whether there will be any ramifications on Intertrust business following Cinemedia's acquisition of Content Armor, which we've been waxing lyrical about for a few weeks now, because we know Intertrust licenses the forensic watermarking patents from Content Armor. And I'm told and reassured that it's all business as usual, and even if Cinemedia were to cut off this licensing deal and leave Intertrust out in the cold, uh, without any watermarking capabilities and apparently wouldn't affect it because it's got this similar non-exclusive arrangement with friend MTS who we spoke to a few weeks ago so yeah on that note back to you lovely stuff thank you very much Tommy yeah the, the IOT stuff um, yeah that's a that's a troubled beast that one but no mm -hmm. like down the line give it a couple decades and uh, <laughs> it'd be pretty juicy segment i reckon um but thanks very much uh thank we'll you move on now to the second article and of course this comes from raffi and the headline is video amps march on nielsen gather steam with viacom cbs so raffi like well done we've ticked off the first fault line you know drinking game bingo word um but could you tell us more please yeah sure so for those that don't know um video amp is a data vendor that specializes in um, tv audience measurement um, they offer data sets that they compile from three main sources, which is um, automatic content recognition from smart TVs um, and also scheduled data from set tops and also just various TV guides. Um, and essentially they combine this all to create uh, viewership data um, with what they say has zero uh, duplication of audiences uh, in a way that you know that if an ad is served to the same person over five different formats, it's only marked as one impression rather than five, which is what all advertisers and ad tech vendors are trying to get to, especially Nielsen, but VideoAmp essentially claim they can already do, do that. Um, and it's kind of good that we've got this story this week because I wasn't able to talk about it on the absence of the podcast last week, but um, this kind of comes in two parts. So um, last week last week we heard from VideoAmp because they said that they were looking to launch a currency for their data set in the 2022 slash 
2023 broadcast year. Uh, what this means is that people could essentially use its data to guarantee and trade media buyers, and it would be a universally understood data set that people can base their prices on. Um, and the time scale that they gave for this was pretty interesting because the 2022-23 broadcast year, I imagine, crosses over in around Q4 2022, which is exactly where Nielsen are set to launch their Nielsen One offering, which is meant to offer cross-platform attribution, which is what VideoAmp offers, with no uh, duplication of audiences, which is also what VideoAmp say they're offering. And this essentially pits the two technologies neck and neck. Um, and what I think this means is that really whichever arrives first kind of has won in a sense because I see you know as I'll get on to everyone in the industry is so sick of Nielsen and they finally have an opportunity to actually change things like uh, the case against Nielsen and the opposition forces have gathered enough steam that actually seems like you know they could shift the scales but uh, that's only going to happen if someone beats Nielsen to uh, delivering the technology that everyone needs. Uh, if VideoAmp gets there first, it's going to be a lot more of a stronger case for everyone to ditch Nielsen and either go for a multi-vendor landscape, which VideoAmp leads, or just go uh, and go to VideoAmp kind of full stop. But if Nielsen manages to get there first with the technology, then we imagine most people just reluctantly uh, accept the status quo and probably stick with Nielsen, because although people grumble about it a lot, uh, changing your vendor can be I don't know, quite a nuisance. But then this week there was uh, another step or another stage uh, in the saga because, um, you know, lots of publishers have been turning against Nielsen. We've already covered in Faultline quite a lot recently how NBC Universal have been a vocal critic. They've uh, launched their measurement innovation forum, encouraging loads of vendors to get involved with uh, new types of measurement. Uh, now Viacom CBS has uh, turned. It's said it's Vantage ad platform will use VideoAmp's currency, although presumably this is only once it's complete because it doesn't even sound like it's ready yet. Um, and Vantage offers uh, data targeting, predictive modeling and analytics for advertisers. Uh, and essentially it will use VideoAmp's data sets to verify media agency buys against demographic data. Um, and this kind of adds uh, supporter of VideoAmp on the publisher side. Last week we heard that it was launching a trial with five of the six largest media agencies. So now it's got media agencies and publishers uh, that are quite, you know, clearly supporting it um, in its kind of fight against Nielsen. Uh, Viacom CBS is one of the many companies that we've seen kind of veiling its hatred of Nielsen under rhetoric of loving multi-vendor openness. Uh, the CEO of Ad Revenue, John Halley, said the measurement market needs diversification and VideoAmp is an innovator that can help us accelerate our vision around future of currency. Um, there have been much more fiery critics. Discovery's David Zaslav has been uh, saying that it's an antiquated system that advertisers love simply because it undercounts impressions. Um, and equally on our call with uh, the CEO of the Video Advertising Bureau last month, it's an industry consortium of loads of publishers that acts as the voice from talking, the voice of publishers talking to marketers in the US. Uh, he is a very, very harsh critic of Nielsen and kind of on our call suggested that almost all their members are feeling the same, which includes huge publishers like Altis, ESPN, Disney, Fox. Um, so yeah, Viacom CBS is, is just the latest really in a series of events that really make it look like Nielsen might, might uh, be toppled from its throne. Nice. That's a, it's going to be a tense race then, I think. Um, see, see if you can get out the door first. Um, I'd also be surprised if, if yeah, when they spin it up for the first time, whether it, it works properly. I wonder if we can get any juicy horror stories out. But uh, 
<laughs> but uh yeah right sweet thank you very much Rafi. um we'll move on now to the, the last piece of long form uh, before we dive into worth noting of course and and this one is av1 hints lurk in content adaptive encoder silicon from allegro dvt and beamer and this one um is i think probably setting the stage for a bit of future um investigation uh because the the news is uh, allegro dvt has sort of partnered with beamer to integrate uh their two sort of ip designs um mm-hmm. so that they can then send it to asic um sort of vendors so so the idea here is beamer is doing its um its uh, sort of compression library bundling it in with these cores and then they can sort of sell the joint offering uh onto someone who can stick it in a, a big fancy video processing um chip but the content adaptive bitrate library, which is the, the Beamer bit, um, plugging into the you know the ALE2XX uh, family, sounds great on paper. But of course, the background to all of this has been the silicon shortages that have become like pretty pretty painful um, by sort of quite a few accounts. And we are hearing that what would normally have taken one quarter to sort of ask for chips from a vendor and have them you know, either de- delivered to you or sort of built uh, into your contract manufacturing partner of choice. That would normally be a, a sort of a three-month process. Um, we're hearing now it's it's more like eight quarters. Um, and there's been a few little um, hints uh, that, that we've picked up on, uh, such as the sort of announcement from Belgium uh, of the, the set-top shortages there. I think Comcast recently mentioned something along these lines as well. Um, but the sort of the big issue there is that there is a lurking uh, danger that the adoption of AV1 and BVC uh, and you know, maybe EVC too um, is going to be hampered by this sort of looming problem, this this headache that looks like it's sort of building, and. Unfortunately, there's very little public data um, available on that kind of stuff. So looking it up and sort of putting it into words was was a bit difficult. And it's something I think that I'll just keep a, a lookout uh, moving forward. Um, but the the sort of the actual joint here, um, the returning sort of more to the, the news, is that this is the first uh, claimed, at least content adaptive, um, bit of silicon for encoding. Um, so this is all baked into the, the actual design uh, and therefore it's you know, much more efficient than doing it in just software. Uh, and the, the sort of Beamer stuff is a, a sort of a perceptual filter. Um, it's, it's pretty fancy, but it's basically just trying to choose the best possible compression uh, for the sort of specific content. The idea here is that it's content adaptive, so it's kind of an automated process. So you don't have to rely on the old sort of system profiles and whatnot. Um, and the claim is uh, a 50% saving across um, all the sort of regular codecs, the, the sort of typical ones you'd find, um, without a loss of quality. Um, but just on that fine, final little point, uh, of course, when you have to think about quality, um, most people are not paying attention to the image uh, at all to sort of notice that. Um, but you will notice it if you're a video service provider uh, and you can cut your peering charges by 50%. That'd be quite handy. Um, but no, this this could take a while to go into the market. So yeah, um, I'm going to keep tabs on, on silicon supply, hopefully. Uh, so that was it. That's the end of the long form stuff. We're going to move into the worth noting. Uh, Rafi, as is tradition, 
five years ago uh, this week, uh, what was happening? I think we've got potentially another entry for the Fault Line podcast drinking game because uh, we're oh, about talking about our favourite family, the Redstone clan. Um, Ooh, fin- Redstone! <laughs> <laughs> which uh, finally called for a merger of CBS and Viacom. Um, arguing that the move would offer substantial synergies that would allow the combined company to respond even more aggressively and effectively to the challenges of the changing entertainment and media landscape. In other words, uh, it would allow Viacom especially to finally embrace OTT. Fortline had long suspected about this arranged marriage, um, but the issue in September 2016 was a bit too hasty in assuming that the deal would be put to bed this side of Christmas. Uh, we underestimated the endless bickering that would ensue. And of course, it wasn't until 2019 that Viacom CBS, as we know, it came into being. Yes, in a, in a completely drama-free process that didn't involve <laughs> millions of dollars of lawyers' fees. <laughs> <laughs> I've really enjoyed my role as um, background heckler uh, today. I think get, get can I just do that from now on? Yeah. <laughs> just do yeah, like, little mic drops. Yeah, perfect. Um, so on my worth noting radar, I've got a trio of Netflix um, uh, things lined up. It has made its first acquisition of a gaming studio uh, called Night School. Um, obviously, Netflix has been kind of pussyfooting around gaming for a while now. Um, and and this obviously suggests it's um, taking it quite seriously. It wasn't disclosed how much it spent and um, uh, there are no plans revealed um, about what it plans to do for with this uh, new studio. But it has um, highlighted that it's it's any gaming foray is going to be an extension of the current sus- subscription. It's not going to be a side project that costs extra, that kind of thing. Um, and at the same time, it released a bunch of um, viewing data this week, but it kind of got um, ripped really for um, counting a view as just two minutes. Um, um, and also, uh, it's being sued by SK Broadband um, demanding network usage fees so trio of netflix things for you there excellent yeah um the edge caching stuff that i'm looking at for decentralized cdn that could be quite cool um but there's a lot of buzzwords involved there um so yeah a final um worth noting for me i think the uh, most kind of interesting part uh in, in just like a a really strange area cbrs which is like that 3.5 gig um bit of wireless and and conquest and charter um have both been like experimenting in it and it's not surprising um but they they recently just had to like come out and say oh no no, no we're not we're not partnering on this we're, we're just learning side by side was was the quote um and on the face of it it wasn't particularly um yeah newsworthy but you look closer and you go oh no that is that's the two largest cable providers uh, in the us and isn't that a, a regulatory headache waiting to happen if they partner partner up on that and, and and sew it up themselves but uh yeah fcc it's always fun um yeah i've got right. cans for this buzzword fault line drinking game this week no <laughs> we didn't mention pie he that he, he'd be like full house i think <laughs> i'm gonna slip a pie reference in all right Gents, pie. yes oh we have to find <laughs> out where he's ended up i bet he's i bet it's somewhere slimy yeah um, yeah, right, sweet. That was Fault Line 908. Thank you very much, chaps. Um, we will be back next week, I think. I don't think either of us are away. So we should be back next week. But Tommy, is there anything lined up? We have got the HBO Max launch party yeah. thing next week. Um, 
Um, I've no idea what that entails, but um, it should be fun. And then we'll probably have a a few interviews lined up. There's a few in the in the pipeline as well. Excellent stuff. All right. Thank you very much, listeners. Um, head to rethinkresearch.biz to check out a free four-week trial of Faultline. You can also check out Rethink TV's uh, exec summaries there. Um, please leave us you know, a, a nice review. Um, send us some juicy goss. And of course, um, we've got a bunch of events coming up, which um, we'll probably tell you about in a couple of weeks. But we're also interested in, yeah, maybe getting you know podcast guests we're not sure what on the format but if you want to appear and and shoot the shit with us um that could be quite cool i think um so yeah get get in touch oh guests <laughs> yeah. if, if you want to enter the bully circle i think I it could be quite now. fun but uh, we'll find out we'll find out right thanks very much everybody we'll see you next week and uh that's bye bye from me cheers bye, bye.